0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, we welcome a special guest. Uh, His name is Dan Judy, and he's the vice president at North Star Opinion Research, which is located here in Washington, D.C., and he's also a Georgia native and a fellow alma mater at the University of Georgia, which is where I went, so I'm thrilled to welcome on uh, Dan Judy. Go dogs, Dan!
1: Go dogs!
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, I love that you went to UGA, and that I, before we started recording, we had kind of a an old home <laughs> um, remembrance session of the University of Georgia. So very cool to have you on. Um, that's not why you're on, though. What we're going to be talking about today. Uh, is money and politics, which is at CRC sort of one of our specialties. And I think Dan has done a lot of work on that as well. So tell us a little bit about North Star Opinion Research and what you actually do there.
1: Sure. So we are a polling and research firm. Uh, When we do campaigns, we work for Republican candidates. And we also do a lot of issue-based work, um, some nonpartisan type stuff. Uh, We do a lot of work for corporations, for associations, public affairs type things. And so we you know our focus is on public opinion uh, research, so polling and focus groups primarily, um, just finding out what people think and then using that information to make strategic decisions or develop messages or or what have you.
0: okay, so yes, so that's um if if you're listening and you're not sort of intimately familiar with the way d c works or politics works, what Dan is talking about, that's some of the machinery of how politics works within the Beltway, um, and actually in the States as well. And it's its a bit of an esoteric subject, but it is a very important one uh, when you're trying to understand for example, what what happened in the twenty twenty election, um, and so Dan was interviewed in an article that The Atlantic just um, just put out, uh, having to do with the Georgia Senate race, which was of course a very, uh, you know, nationally exposed race because of the um, how important that race was to um, the Demo- the now Democrat majority, um, and so. Dan, let's talk a little bit about that. That article in The Atlantic was talking about the outside spending that was done in Georgia um, related to that Senate election. And there was a bunch of money that came into Georgia that, you know, was outside spending. So arguably some of these um, these donors didn't have any real connection to the state or her voters or maybe even the issues that those voters face in the state. Uh, would you agree with that?
1: I do think there's a lot of truth to that. And, um, you know, it's also, it's not just Georgia. I mean, in and, and, and Senate battleground states, especially across the country, spending records were just absolutely shattered. I mean, there were, Georgia was obviously took the, the main prize because it had the runoffs, but there were a bunch of states in which hundreds of millions of dollars were spent on on those on those races. And that, I mean, I've, I've been doing this now for about 20 years. And when I first started doing this in, in 2000, I mean, a five or six or seven million dollar Senate race would be a big race. I mean, now six million dollars doesn't even get you in the game. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable um, how much money is being spent, um, as you noted, often by, you know, not by not by the campaigns themselves, uh, but by outside groups that, that have a rooting interest, so to speak.
0: Right. I know at CRC here, we've done um, a lot of uh, work on the um, – fa- C- the CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, he and his wife gave $350 million to a an allegedly nonpartisan uh, group called the Center for Tech and Civic Life, who then uh, gave out these state grants to, to states to administer their elections. And the Amistad Project um, – basically called that privatizing the election. What do you make of that?
1: Well, as you know, without knowing exactly how that money was spent, it's hard to draw the conclusions. And I think that is, and we can probably talk about sort of the public opinion implications in a minute, but I think having transparency, knowing um, where the money is going, how it's being spent sort of tells the tale there. I think there, there are plenty of legitimately nonpartisan election activities that money could fund. Um, and I frankly think that it would be in the organization's best interest to disclose that if it's true, because it, it sort of pulls back the curtain and, and takes away avenues for criticism. But You know, there are also, uh, you know, um, especially, you know, not just in, in kind of big counties, but also in small counties, there is the opportunity for money to be spent in ways that do advance a particular party or do help a particular party. But without that transparency, there's just no way to know.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the public opinion element of it, which is what you do at your your work, you're polling, you're asking people what they think of these things. And in this uh, Atlantic article, you're actually quoted um, as saying, you've got enough weapons, you're talking about money in politics, it's not necessarily outside spending, but you're talking about money in general, and specifically in Georgia, you've got, this is your quote, you've got enough weapons to blow up the earth 50 times over, but you can't not build them. You've got to keep the pace. And what you're referring to there, correct me if I'm wrong, is that, and we've done some work in this space, that the uh, the sort of liberal giving um, is outpacing the conservative giving. And so in order to Basically, win elections, you've got to stay on track with that. What are people saying about that? Do you get the sense that that's something that the average voter knows about? And do they care about it?
1: So there's a couple things at play. And, And the first, you know, from strictly a public opinion angle, do people care about money in politics? Yes. If you ask them, do you think there's too much money in politics? Almost everybody will say yes. If you ask them what issues are important to them, what issues matter to them, matter to their vote. People will not, I mean, it will be maybe the 20th issue mentioned for some people. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that as an issue itself, money and politics, it just doesn't drive votes as long as the money is raised and spent legally. Now, if money is raised and spent illegally, that is a different question because that raises questions of, of you know, ethics and criminality and that sort of thing. And that's kind of a different beast. Um, but it doesn't really drive people's opinions. But what it does do is... Voters feel the impact of that. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm from Georgia. My parents still live there. Um, you know, I know you have friends and family in Georgia as well. I do. There is no way you can live in Georgia and not feel the impact of a billion dollars in two months spent on two Senate races. Um, there are TV ads constantly. There are internet ads. There are people coming to your door. There are, your mailbox is overflowing every day. And th- there is a fatigue that sets in. And that's why I was saying that, you know, when you, you know, I you know, grew up, you know, in the 80s, towards the end of the Cold War, kind of the height of the arms race, the Soviet Union and the United States both had both had enough nuclear weapons to annihilate the Earth a hundred times. But um, but you can't just let the other side build, you know, a um, hundred nuclear weapons. You also have to build a hundred, otherwise you have no deterrent. And that's that's the issue at play here. Um, you know, is is there a diminishing returns after the first? $400 million. It's actually much lower than that. But yes, of course there is. But if the other side's spending $400 million and you're spending 50, you're at a pronounced disadvantage. And so all the incentives are built in to raise and spend as much as you possibly can, sort of regardless of how much fatigue sets in among the electorate. People are going to vote regardless, you know, especially, I mean, turnout in that, in that Georgia runoff was extremely high. So even though I'm sure voters were sick to death of it, it didn't stop them from voting.
0: Yeah, that was the same thing I was hearing. You mentioned that I might have family and friends. Of course I do. I'm from here. and it wasn't so much that people were concerned or not concerned about the money and politics issue. They were tired of that.
1: right, right. Yeah, because they because like I said they they feel it and you know it, and, and this you know the explosion in Georgia really started in the um, in the special election for Congress in the sixth congressional district, which is north of Atlanta. There had not been a competitive congressional race in that district in you know, a generation. And all of a sudden there was a special election uh, when Tom Price had left to join the administration between Karen Handel and John Ossoff, who's now um, in the Senate. And there was $60 million spent on that race, a summer race. And um, it was the most expensive race in congressional history. And I mean, imagine living in that district, not having had a competitive congressional race in 20 years and all of a sudden having 60 million dollars dumped on your head. It's and people people notice and it and it um, and not not necessarily in a good way.
0: Right. And especially Southerners, you know, we're we're sort of this this you know the myth that we we move we move slowly and speak slowly i mean it's really hot down here so <laughs> right, right, it's not right. untrue <laughs> right so all of a sudden this like influx of the fast moving dc political world it's very disconcerting i think
1: right right absolutely
0: uh, so, final question to you, and I won't keep you much longer. And thank you so much for coming on. Um, there are two cases you mentioned a minute ago about a lack of transparency when you're talking about these sort of private companies giving these massive amounts, um, and that it's difficult to know how they spent, how that money got spent. But on the other end of that, there's a question about donor disclosure. And there are two, um, which, you know, there's an argument to be made that, um, especially in the internet era era of doxing and, you know, everybody's calling out how they think you might be wrong or bad and people are losing their jobs, that donor disclosure has become uh, extreme, donor privacy, I should say, has become an extremely important issue. And there are two cases that are going to be before the Supreme Court. Dealing with this. Uh, One is called Americans for Prosperity Foundation versus Becerra, and the other is the Thomas More Law Center versus Becerra. Um, And those have to do with uh, the state of California wanted these organizations to disclose their donor names uh, if they gave more than, I think, $10,000. What do you think about the issue of um, disclosing donor names and, and information? as versus keeping them private?
1: Well, it's I mean it's certainly popular. so I, I think a lot of um, politicians will support it on both sides of the aisle because that, you know the idea of transparency and disclosure will be something that is that, that is popular among voters. Um, it's also has the opportunity to be um, to, to have sort of rare bipartisan opposition among the donor class. Um, you know it, this isn't a deal where, um, you know, donors on the left really want disclosure and donors on the right. Don't none of these donors want disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you know, what I think is going to be interesting is that you're, you know, I do think that requiring disclosure would, would take a lot of this money out. Um, because for the reasons you mentioned, um, it, it's, it's a lot safer to not have that out there, but it will be interesting because you're going to see two competing, um, two competing principles collide here, and that's privacy versus the First Amendment, freedom of speech. And um, and you know the, the Supreme Court up to this point has been pretty clear that campaign spending is protected speech. I mean, that goes back to Buckley versus Vallejo, to any of your political science graduates out there will probably recognize that one from 1976, I believe. Um, and then in Citizens United again, most recently, which is what kind of primed the pump for this explosion over the last decade... Um you know, the Supreme Court held that that political spending is protected speech. Um On the other hand, you know you have the idea of, of disclosure and and the right to privacy of these donors. Um, and you know, I think the the interplay of those two things is going to make for a pretty interesting dynamic, um, my, um, you know in, in terms of how it plays out.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, um, it's it's interesting that some some of these issues that you would think one side is really going to go in on, you know, protecting privacy, and then they come out and say, no, we want transparency. And then the other side you think might really want this transparency, Come, at, they come out and say, no, actually, protecting these donors is very important. <laughs> right. So it's just a, it, it's never an easy thing to figure out how it's going to move and flow. But I thank you so much for coming on and trying to help people understand. I think that's going to be very important.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: so again, this is uh, Dan Judy from North Star Opinion Research. And Dan, just just uh, to close out, is there any place where people can go to see more of what you guys do?
1: Um, you, they can go to our websites, northstaropinion.com. And um, from time to time, we'll post some analysis or recent polling, or if we have anything going on, that that is where we'll post it.
0: Okay, awesome. Dan, thanks for coming on. Uh, To all of you out there, that's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We will talk with you again next week.